Hello and welcome to Into Riverdale, your favorite Riverdale rewatch podcast. As always, I am two-thirds of your host, Daniel, and it sure was considerate of people in two towns to come up with the cool monkeyer, that man in black, uh, instead of just calling Heimer Lodge, that rich Latino man who comes by sometimes. Joining me is that other third, Jesse. Hi. Hi. Hey, hey, Dean. Cass. We need to get the, the demon knife so we could stab the one of the horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, Jesse uh, has told me that this episode is very much like an episode, a bad episode of Supernatural. Having never ever seen an episode of Supernatural, I can neither conform, confirm nor deny those allegations. Uh, get in the comments. Let let me know if, if that's true. Yeah. Uh, so so this episode uh, this episode was a, a bit of a shift, I think, from uh, what we've seen from Riverdale up to this point. Uh, Jughead and Archie are on the road. Uh, Betty's in in the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Uh, how long? Uh, I meant to ask you this actually last time, but uh, how long do you think either of those plot lines are going to last, Jesse? An episode? An episode. All right. We'll see. We'll see if they get back to town and out of the Sisters of Quiet Mercy by uh, next episode. Uh, like, I can't quite remember, but okay. you're probably not that far off. So, okay, here's here's what I would like to happen. Yes. Mm-hmm. I want them to keep this really weird tone for most of the season, but I know they cannot keep up that energy. Right, yeah. Like... They're gonna, it, you know, they're like a, they're like a kitten that's like really, really wants to do something ambitious. It tries to make that really mm-hmm. big jump, but then they just, mm-hmm. you know, fall out of the right. air. Or their face just slams into a wall. You know, yeah. like I don't think they can do it. Uh, I think you're probably right. I, I think maybe the, the, the tone might stay within the same, you know, ballpark of this episode. Um. And I'm talking about like a regulation professional baseball field type of ballpark of this episode, but certainly the scenario where everyone split up like this and Archie and Jacket are on the road, I don't think uh, is going to last for too much longer. Yeah, uh, maybe more than one episode, but we'll see. I think uh, you're not too far well, off in your prediction, you know to be honest. Maybe maybe they'll keep the same energy they uh, they had for Chick. Mm. You know, they had a lot of energy for Chick. They did have a lot of energy. They love Chick for some reason. Yeah, I don't get so it. So, like, but I like the idea of this. Like, just Sam. That's why I was going to say Sam and Dean again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you mean Cliff and Biff or Cliff whatever the Biff. hell they call it. Yeah. Fucking hell. Okay. So, I just want to know how, like, it would be cool if, you know, Archie and Jughead, for just a little bit, were homeless teens, like, solving mysteries mm-hmm. for a little bit. You know, it'd be kind of cool. Know, and smooching and stuff. Yeah, it's smooching. Also, this is the time where they realize that, you know, maybe they do like each other a little bit. And they smooch. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, it did not take long for Archie to cheat on Veronica, is no, what I'll say. No, it so, took, why not? Yeah, to to be fair, okay, no, I'm not saying it's good for him to cheat or anything, but to be mm-hmm. f- I mean, they're. I guess they're technically broken up. He broke up with her, but, like, yeah, not really. Well, <laughs> what I was going to say, though, is, like, you know... To be fair, he wasn't cheating on her as Archie. He was cheating on her as Biff. Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, we'll get into all of that uh, as we begin this episode. This is Riverdale Season 3, Episode 7, Chapter 42, The Man in Black. We uh, we keep joking that we should bring our friend Marky onto this podcast because they've never seen an episode of Riverdale and just pick an episode for them. Um, that has like no context and is baffling. This I think would have been a pretty good. This one. one would have been. See, I think they would agree that this feels like a bad episode of uh, Supernatural. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we should we should pick one soon. You know, maybe if they have a really weird cliffhanger, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll go for it. Uh, you, you might be in charge of picking the episode because I definitely do not watch these uh, until Sunday night and re-record Monday evening. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll. We'll, we'll we'll find out because uh, I yeah. tend to do it whenever I have nothing else to do. So. Right. So um, and we so we're split up into three groups essentially. Right? We have Jughead and Archie on the run. We have uh, Betty in the Sisters of Quiet Mercy and Veronica still in Riverdale. And they label each section with a weird a weird font. I'm the font reminds me of something, but I can't remember. I can't think of what. Yeah, it's it's like the the font that they do for if they want to show. 
I don't know. Like, they want to show that something is weird is happening, but they don't want to make it like Helvetica. Yeah, it it's... It's common. Maybe a little X-Files-y to me. That might be but, it. Uh, that might be it. It might be something that yeah. X-Files use, and that's why we see it everywhere. I, oh, I think I think what it reminds me of is kind of like, um, like police report typewriter type of font. Oh. It gives me that vibe, yeah. It might be. Right. Anyway, uh, we're opening with Archie and Jughead on, on the road. Jughead's trying to call Betty, but of course he can't get through to her because Betty's been taken to the sisters and left her cell phone very conveniently in her home. Um, I will say this uh, this episode where like just uh, Jughead and Archie are just kind of walking in the... Uh, yeah, walking around in the countryside, it's very gorgeous. Even if they're, even when they're in like the weird town later, mm-hmm. it it just it looks real good, you know. Uh, we we are uh, just two minutes in, and already I need to pause and discuss some stuff. Let me rewind ten seconds so we can get that dialogue. So we don't actually know how long they've been on the road, but it doesn't feel like probably very long. This feels pretty immediately after last episode, time wise. And uh, Archie is uh, lamenting, you know, it would be great to find somewhere to settle down, uh, you know, start anew. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Jake's like, of course, you know, we, we'll find that place. And then Archie says, maybe we already have, as they come across, I guess, the first town they've seen since Riverdale. You know, <laughs> no one accuses Archie of having any forethought, Pat. Right. Like, you know, it's just, it's always what's in front of him. Yes, essentially. And then Jughead's like, nice try, let's get a couple more miles in before nightfall. It looks pretty early in the day, like maybe the afternoon right now. Um, and Archie insists, no, we gotta stop here, we need some place to bunk for the night. <laughs> Which, it- I mean, I know walking's not like the fastest, but I feel like you got another like good five hours of daylight left. Yeah, you can... You get pretty far. Also, like this this place looks like, and this is just Hollywood's version of like Appalachia, but Hollywood's mm-hmm. version of Appalachia, where you're gonna get eaten by wild hill cannibals, right? Which you know it can't be because we should still be in the state of New York, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so, of course, you've got the classic little girl with a shotgun, um, and her older sister. And let me tell you, I wish that they kept this, like, weird, uh... Oh, by the way, this is when Jughead comes up with two names. Right. R- real so they're, quickly. They're very stupid names, right? He says, I'm Cal, and that's Biff. But in his defense, their real names are Jughead and Archibald, so I don't think he has, like, a good baseline for you, what a regular name sounds you know, like. You know? You know? You're right there. <laughs> I just feel like you could have pulled out, like a like, a John and Todd... Right. Like, they're both white, and I could believe that yeah. Jughead is a John and Archie is a Todd. Yeah, uh, Mr. Forsyth Pendleton III, a.k.a. Jughead, just maybe doesn't have the best grasp on what a normal name sounds like. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> also, Archie's outfit here super reminds me of something. I think it's the Walking Dead video games. I think there's a character that dresses like this. Yes, you know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the, like plain solid color t-shirt with the dark hoodie and then a cap there's definitely a character in some video game that dresses exactly like that <laughs> yeah so oh it got went dark real quick yeah they they time skip forward i guess a little bit they're having dinner outside i believe they're having dinner outside um because that's a real house behind them and that'd be very difficult to film shots in <laughs> um but it is a little goofy that they decided to just pull a table out here i guess they don't want these strangers in their house but They'll sit at a table and eat with them to be f- outdoors. To be fair, it would be safer to eat outdoors than it would be inside your home with two very buff yeah. men. It it just feels weird that they like sat down at the table with them instead of like giving them a bowl each and then going inside. But you know, live your life, I guess. Well, as we will find out later, the uh, the older one really has it for really wants to fuck Archie like almost immediately. Yeah, that's true. And you know what? Fair enough. <laughs> you know, you know. I, I mean, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. He's literally made to be treated like a piece of meat in this show. So, I mean, if we skip the sleeping hours, uh, he's been in this at this farm for approximately uh, 30 minutes before his shirt comes off. Yeah. Well, also another thing too is like, uh, so basically, 
they you know they get fed and they they have to sleep in mm-hmm. the barn. And Archie mm-hmm. immediately has like the long lingering like looks at her yeah. and everything because like yeah. the older sister out of the two, pretty hot. Yeah. You know. A thing. Pretty hot and about their age, so he's like immediately kind of flirting with her. And uh, a next shot after they go to sleep is Archie shirtless, of course, uh, hauling bales of hay because they promised to do some farm work uh, in exchange for getting to stay the night and dinner. Yeah. And then Jughead says that he's going to go in town to take photos, and then he says, like we planned, um, and he puts emphasis on that. Uh, and I, I don't know why because they never established that's that was a plan or that like why they would make that plan but okay well maybe it was supposed to be like a hey archie let's get the fuck out of here wink maybe type thing though like also the girls weren't nearby so i don't know like why he'd need to like speak in code also regardless also they made it pretty clear that they just needed to stay for the night too yeah like well archie's you know doing chores so that he's got uh jug has got some Free time. I love, uh, he's in town taking photos, and he sees some graffiti of the runes, and they flash to Dilton Doily's body with the runes carved in it, as if we would have forgotten, uh, these runes they've shown every single episode so far. Yeah, they're in Athens, New York, I guess? Uh, I guess so. There's a sign that literally says, Athens, welcome Welcome to to Athens, Athens, yeah. I mean, Athens is, I think, a common enough, like, name. I think there are a lot of little towns named things like Athens. So, I mean, I buy it. Yeah. But, yeah, this is the part that made it feel very supernatural. Like, the part that they come up against a a barn, like, just a farm out of nowhere. And then there's this empty town with symbols all over. Yeah, and then there's a creepy old lady who gives you plot. Yeah, that... Okay, yeah, I see it. (laughs) Also, there's no almost no one here. And they've only seen women so far. Yes. I mean, to be fair, they've only seen three people, but... But, but still, that's, but that's still <laughs> yes. like, it's it's a little odd that they would see almost no one. Oh. Alright, um, and then I love this, because uh, the woman's like, oh, they used to be Jingle Jangle, now they're back to Fizzle Rocks. And, um, obviously Jingle Jingle and Fizzle Rocks are both just candy that they're using and pretending are drugs, um, but Jughead explicitly calls it out. Fizzle Rocks, like the candy I used to have? She's like, oh no, this one's laced with drugs. It's weird. Um, and now the girl is shaving Archie with a straight razor for some reason. Because it's, Archie doesn't grow facial hair. Well, because it's like a kind of, it's sensual in a way. Yeah, like, because we need to construct intimate, or to construct elaborate rituals to touch each other. So I'm pretty sure what, uh, I'm pretty sure what, all they need to do be like, yo, I'll let you stay here if you fuck me. And be like, that's all they need to say. All they need to yeah. say. <laughs> Archie says this place feels like home for, him so- for some reason. And like, fucking why, Archie? Okay, this looks no, nothing like where you grew another up. Another thing that made it feel like supernatural. Someone has, like, one of the brothers has a really weird longing to stay oh, in a place mm-hmm. for yeah. some weird reason. While the other one's just right. like, what the fuck are you doing? Let's go. Gotcha. Yeah, and so then she straddles him and makes out with him, and he does that for a bit, and he's like, But I can't. There's a girl back home. Which you should have said before, you know, you made out with her, Archie. Uh, it's still cheating at this point. And also, because Archie All- doesn't know how to okay. keep a secret ever, he pretty much says oh, immediately, yeah. Yo, I'm running from Hiram. Uh, yeah. He even says by name, which, like, was not necessary to the story, but... You could have said, I'm running from someone, I was dating their daughter, and they hate me, and... Also, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into this a little bit more later, but uh, there's a recurring theme in this episode of Archie being like, uh, I have to confront Hiram, I have to face him, because he's never gonna leave me alone, he'll chase me to the ends of the earth. And Archie... N- n- no, he won't. No, he he doesn't care that much, my guy. You you ran away and like stopped fucking with his plans, so he's good. Actually, you're no longer dating his daughter, and you're not fucking up his plans. He's actually good. You're 16. He doesn't care that much. He's got a private prison to run. Yeah, like he just doesn't want you to fuck with his plan. That's it. Like if you just stopped fucking with his plan or got your bones and his daughter and his daughter <laughs> and got your bones and killed. You know, someone for him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He'd probably like that even more. But, 
Yeah. So we uh, so we cut back over to Jughead, and they uh, there's like a they're outside of like the store, and there's these a group of like three young uh, three young girls, and they're doing fizzle rocks, and they're all playing G and G. Yeah. Uh, and then Jughead brags about being a level three Hellcaster and also a game master. <laughs> and then these girls, uh, you know, give plot. Also, another thing that's real creepy. Just again, we see just first off, there's three kids uh, playing, just uh, just playing, um, you know, a game in the middle of an empty town, and they just keep mm-hmm. on talking about creepy stuff like an unaffected way. Right. I mean, I guess it's not like inherently creepy what they're saying. Just like all the men are off to work somewhere else, which like. Okay, so a small town that's economically challenged. Uh, I think. Okay, but combine that with the weird symbols and the cult thing. Like, that's what the men told them. They're all addicted to fizzle rocks, and they're all working somewhere else. No, the demons are poisoning, poisoning the men, and using them for a sacrifice thing or something. Obviously. Oh, uh, obviously, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then, uh, the older sister, whose name I still don't remember, gives Archie some eggs, and then, uh, as he's eating, thwacks him upside the head with the cast iron frying pan, which was a very brave move for trying to capture someone, uh, cause that definitely could have just killed him. You, you know what else? Maybe he could have just not said Hiram's name. Right, I mean, yes, but that's what we'd expect of Archie. I'm just saying on her part, very, very brave to use that as the weapon to subdue him. Yeah. Especially when they have guns. Like, she could have just come into the barn with a gun and said, like... I guess she can't make him tie himself up. That doesn't make any sense. But she's got a sister. She could have had the sister hold the gun and then tied him up. Yeah. I'm just saying, if you want him alive, hitting him very hard with a frying pan was a very brave choice. Uh, anyway, Hiram... Uh, she's contacted Hiram, and for some inexplicable reason, Hiram has shown up and agreed to trade... Her father and brother uh, working for him in exchange for Archie. Again, why? I don't know. And she doesn't. But Jughead sneaks around back and frees him. Yeah, like, like she, he didn't. She didn't even put him in an area where she could easily like keep an eye on him. Like, there's so many hiding mm-hmm. spaces in this bard. I mean, I guess she did. I wonder, but he's awake, so yeah, she probably should have poorly thought out all around. I think. But then, um, as they're trying to escape, Archie's like, no. I have to face him. This is the part I was talking about where he talks about trying to kill Hiram Lodge. Yeah. Um, this 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 is part of the episode where Dean is just like, no, we finally have the demon in our sights. We need to do something. Yeah. And Sam is just like, no, we can't. We've been through this ten times already in this season. We need help. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's very, I don't understand why Hiram is here. You know, it would have been, like, it would have been more interesting if they got any other person to be the man in black. Mm-hmm. The the motivations for Hiram aren't making a lot of sense for me in this moment. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm a mob guy, and I've made a private prison, and also I have a drug lab, and I'm going to become a drug kingpin. Um, But also, I need to take time out of my busy day to come pick up the 16-year-old I was torturing, Um, even though really all I want is for him to be out of the picture. I don't know. It's weird. He's wearing his Hydra pin again. Yeah. And then uh, Jughead finally convinces Archie to leave by saying, will Veronica ever forgive you? Something that I guess he didn't think about, because I guess he doesn't think about Veronica very often when she's not directly in sight, which tracks for Archie, actually, now that I'm saying it out loud. Yeah. That tracks. He doesn't have great object permanence, I don't think. And also, to be fair, the last person who spoke to him in an authoritative way was Jughead, so he's going to do what he said last. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I'm saying that Jughead had to remind him that uh, Hiram Lodge is Veronica's father, and she would probably oh, be pretty upset well, if he murdered him. Well, also, also that's a that's the demon that they've been fighting for most of the season, too. You know, <laughs> you know, you're you're in love with the daughter's uh the the okay the meat suit that the daughter took that the uh, that the father took is is actually the the father of the woman you love this season. Okay, we get out of the supernatural part, right? <laughs> but yeah, now we cut over to the Pembroke, and Veronica's just like, "Yo, I'm leaving. I can't be yeah, in this house." She's anymore. moving out because she hates her parents. Yeah, 
it's not it's not great. Um, and it works out because she does own property. She will say in a sec moves to uh, the. Oh, also she's upset that uh, Sheriff Manette Sheriff Manetta has been killed. Um, just as she's found evidence of Archie's innocence, even though Archie's case got dropped. I don't know. It's weird, but she's gonna leave and go sleep in the uh, her speakeasy. The scene goes on for a little bit longer than it needs to. Yeah. Oh, she got the she she has the she has the jeed where she just holds up what puts up a, a oil painting of herself. Oh, right. Well, you know, Hiram came and dropped it off. Um, you know, God, how long? We're only seven episodes in, so it couldn't have been that long ago. But it feels like a lifetime. Yeah, it. Again, each of these episodes feels like they should be. I don't know, like a season finale. Yeah. Um. So she sleeps in the speakeasy, has an alarm for six, so she can go upstairs and start working. Um, so she beats Pops into the store, which feels odd to me. It feels like... Pops seems like the kind of guy who'd be there at, like, 7 a.m. latest. Well, I guess six and seven. Well, no, but also, we know they've been there at, like, 4 a.m. in the morning, so, like, they're... That's, yeah, actually, that's a good point. I didn't think Pops closed, and that was the reason why everyone always went there. So, like... <laughs> so what the fuck's happening? So, like, I feel like there'd be at least one person, especially at, like, six in the morning, like, just, like, mm-hmm. yo, I'm passing through, or, hey, I'm about to go to yeah. work, and I just want to have some hot food. Also, also, she's sleeping and living in the speakeasy... But, like, the speakeasy is essentially a nightclub, so it's operating hours, like, it's peak hours have to be from, like, 9pm to, like, 4am. So, like, what the fuck, Veronica? When do you sleep? Anyway, Veronica's complaining to uh, Reggie that they aren't making enough money. Uh, Reggie says at least their business is steady, and she says steady is just one bad week away from bankrupt. Um, And she doesn't like that these teens just hang out here drinking mocktails while playing G and G all day. Oh, uh, um, and decide. Oh, go ahead. No, I want. I want to push back on one thing as well with uh-huh. that. Yeah. Um, steady. Sure, steady is one bad week wait. What? But like having highly volatile weeks is even worse. True. Yeah. Like, I mean, she's not. Yeah, she. But she wants. I guess if she gets can get this big score that she's planning, then they have like a nest egg for that bad week. I guess that's the plan. Yeah. I guess, but also like I know pops. I know pops wasn't making a lot of money, but also like you can run on a loss on a business for years because mm. you could just write the, those uh, losses off on your taxes. Right. So I mean, uh, Veronica's also sixteen. I don't know how taxes work. I'm assuming she doesn't either. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but she's planning a illegal casino night. She's contacted the Elio for this, which um is just like. Uh, she refuses to serve alcohol because she doesn't want to do illegal things, and she's like, gambling is a much more reasonable vice. Let's do that instead. So, uh, okay, so the gambling, gambling, like, just the, the whole gambling microtransaction stuff that's been happening really heavily mm-hmm. in sports games is literally mm-hmm. going to be ruining a generation's worth of, like, ideas of risk-taking. Yeah. There's already it's, signs it's of that. Just, yeah. So. It's just very amusing that, like, because she explicitly said, we're serving only mocktails because I don't, I'm not into corrupting the youth or whatever. And she's like, gambling's fine, though. Yeah, you know, only like a, only like a addiction that can be, uh, that can manifest itself in many different ways. I, hmm. I was gonna say there's probably some sort of regulations you know, FCC stuff about minors drinking on television, but they had the shot of a Jughead or Cole Sprouse playing FP as a teen drinking, so that's clearly not it. Uh, they ju- It's just a weird choice also, they've made. <laughs> also, like, they've had multiple parties where, like, a lot of them got, like, super oh, drunk. Oh, true, yeah, they had that house party where everyone was fucking plastered, yeah. So I don't know why they made this choice. Oh, it's well, making her current choice feel very stupid. Well, any anyway, Hiram goes goes comes back the next morning, be like, "Hey, yo, yeah. I heard from a friend that you're doing some, yeah, doing some illegal shit with someone else besides me. What's yeah. up?" I mean, he he specifically says uh, that 
I think maybe he's saying it right now as we're speaking, but that uh, Elio and his family are a bunch of crooks and criminals and be wary of them, essentially. Uh, I'm I'm your family, so I have your best interest at heart. I'll protect you. Or whatever. Yeah. Veronica, actually, this whole episode is kind of a mess. She makes a series of progressively worse, contradictory choices. Also, I'm sure this uh, floating casino, uh, the word casino floating across the screen as a reference to something, I don't know what, so it just looks very stupid to me, because, like, yes, I understand this is a casino, you didn't have to show me that. Well, it, it's probably a movie reference that we don't understand. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it just looks dumb to me, because I don't get the reference. God, is she drinking a mocktail martini? That sounds so miserable. Oh my god. It does. Also, they're they're messing around with the time jumps a lot more in this episode. Like, I have no idea how long any of this has been. Yeah. They they have a lot of ground to cover because they split everyone up and have, like, three A-plots they need to get through. (laughs) Also, there's... (laughs) So her plan was the house always wins, and then Elio's winning big tonight. And she's like, I thought the house always wins. So, like, do you not actually understand, like, how casinos operate? Because you can't just say a cliché. And they'd be like, that's my plan to make money. They also imply that Elio is cheating somehow um, at Blackjack, but they don't, like, say how. Like, he can only be doing one of two things. Counting cards, or the dealer is in his pocket. Right, and it can't be the dealer, as we learn in a little bit, so he must be counting cards, but that's not actually illegal. Yeah, it's not technically illegal to count cards, that's just doing math. Yeah. Um. Which is why also which is why they don't you call think the he'd be yeah, you'd think he'd be a lot more upset also at the end result of this where she blatantly cheats to cost him all his money well, but don't you don't you realize you have to do everything in one fell swoop like all or nothing because he's a addict to gambling or something yeah but like because he's like that's impossible, but like that's the end of the scene, and like he doesn't do anything about it like yes, it's not. Uh, casinos don't like it when you count cards, but again, it's not illegal, so he could have been, he could have been like, I was counting cards, there's no physical way that, uh, three could have come up there, you cheated. Also, she did hit on an 18, which is generally unadvised, because yeah. the, the highest I mean, she had to, because he was at a 20, so she either hits or she loses her yeah. lead, which is what she's gambling on. The one thing I do like about this scene uh is that uh when the dealer does the final flip for her hit i can tell he's doing something funky with his fingers because i watch a lot of close-up magic well it's just because so i think that guy's probably an actual magician it's just because you have a crush on two close-up mag- magician people uh how dare you oh i i explicitly watch these two actors because they do a lot of close-up magic no you don't fucking don't they're both hot we both know that wait who are you talking about no did, did you say that there's that one actor uh i forget i forget his name but uh you realized over the pandemic that he does he tries to do magic and he was getting really good at it and then there's that one guy from ken's convenience that's gonna be that's like also hot that does magic sometimes I think you might have had a conversation with someone else, Jesse. I might have. I don't know. I know you said, I know you specifically said, this dude is hot and also they do close-up magic. That's possible. I, I don't recall, though. Okay. That sounds like something I'd say. Yeah, it's, it's a thing that you definitely would say. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, the night has ended and she's got a big stack of cash from, from the winnings and... Then she explains her her master plan, which is she went to Daddy and asked for advice. And he explained how to cheat Elio out of all his money. (laughs) I really don't understand Veronica's whole thing here. Yeah. Really undercutting the whole I'm cutting my parents out of my life because they ruined my boyfriend's life thing when you come crawling back to him for help. Like, at the slightest hint of trouble. Like, really just, uh... (laughs) Really just undercuts any moral standing you have in this argument, Veronica. <laughs> also, she touches her earring, which is supposed to be like... it. It's implied with the way it's shot that that's the signal to the dealer that it's time to do the switch. But, girly, you're doing one hand with the deed on the table. I feel like he could have put together, this is the time to do the thing, without you having to signal him. 
Yeah. It's not like she was playing, like, multiple hands to hustle him and build up his confidence before doing this. It was just the one hand. She could have just been like, when I sit down at the table, that's the time where you're going to do the thing. You don't need a signal. Yeah, you could have... Yeah, if you're doing just one... Yeah, yeah, if you're doing just one hand, come on. You just make it a thing there. Yeah, it's like, you. It's it's pretty obvious when is the time to do the thing, and it's when I'm playing. The one time that I'll be playing. And then Pops is like, this is a good family crime-free restaurant. Please, Miss Veronica, don't, don't do this. And she's like, I'm your boss. I own this place. Fuck you. <laughs> she literally says, maybe deep down my dad's not so bad because he helped me. Uh, and that makes him a good person. Never mind that he put my boyfriend in a fight club. He's probably fine. <laughs> Also, you know how he works. He does a bunch of nice stuff up first and then asks for favors later. Right. Veronica. You know, maybe Veronica's not a good person, actually, is the thing. Yeah, everyone in this show is bad except for Fred. Just about, yeah. So now we've cut over to Betty, who's taking a Rorschach test. And um, a lot of Betty's uh, segment is uh, internal monologue, because she doesn't have a lot of people to act off of. So here, she's like, uh, just pass the test, make herself seem normal. So even though she's seeing, you know, like, the uh, the scary man that her mom killed, and then the Black Hood, and then the Gargoyle King, she's lying and saying innocuous things like a fluffy teddy bear, or a butterfly, uh, to make herself seem not, you know, deeply traumatized from the events for the past year. <laughs> and also, like... It's very clear that this Warshack chest that they're doing is supposed to specifically look like the things that they right, want yeah. to look at. Like, it's not like a two bears high-fiving uh, with a mushroom cloud behind them type thing. Which, have you played yeah, New Vegas? Follow New Vegas? I have. Okay. But, um, there's a whole joke it's thing. It's been a while. There's a whole joke thing okay. with Warshack chest first. But yeah, but it's not like that. It's, it's clearly, the Black Hood one is clearly supposed to be the Black Hood. Also, so then she lines up to get her meds, and it's like every scene in a psychiatric ward uh, where you line up and then you get a little cup with your meds, only inside the cup is literally just fizzle rocks. They don't even try to disguise it as medicine. They call it candy. It's literally just fizzle rocks. Yeah. Like, put some effort into it, maybe, please. Come on, guys. It's pretty bad. Um, And then she goes to her room and tosses in the trash can. Because definitely no one will look in the empty trash can and see you've done this. Also, you know it dissolves in water, dude. Yeah, like, just flush it down the toilet, like, maybe. Or put it in a cup of water or something. I don't know. Like, yeah. so- Anyway, um, Ethel then shows up because she's her new roommate. Because um, I guess Ethel's been here since her seizure. Um, and has a vision board, or her warrior board, excuse me, um, to manifest her destiny or whatever which is um, really ethel's which oh, which is to oh, have yes. sex with the gargoyle king i think right her her new thing is that she's dating the gar- gargoyle king like if, if like if the gargoyle king had uh, had pictures in tiger beat it'd definitely be on that board <laughs> um so then betty tries to get to see the gargoyle king and ethel's like uh no here's some plot stuff uh, yeah, she says that you only get to see the Gargoyle King if you've misbehaved, and that's Sister Woodward's job to take you there. Um, also, he's my boyfriend, so back off. Also, uh, Jughead wants me so hard. Yeah, Ethel really got demoted down to a, a exposition person. Yeah, uh, her character took a hard right turn this season. I do feel a little bad about it. I, I, you know, like she was at least like a like a character. Yeah. Previously? Like, n- not anymore, really. Yeah, now she's like this weird boy crazy crazy person, and like, eh. <laughs> it's not great. Yeah. Yeah, but she tries to, Ethel tries to imply that, like, Jughead wants her, and she's gonna drop this bomb about them making out in the bunker, and Betty's like, oh, you mean when you blackmailed her, him into kissing you? Yeah, he told me about that, you psycho bitch. Yeah. Like, Jughead... Jughead clearly is is into, like, one person, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And, and good on him for telling Betty about it. Yeah. Well, maybe she learned from the whole, like, uh, her uh, him, uh, her kissing Archie thing. 
Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Man, this scene goes on for a long time. I guess they have to yeah. put. A, I guess they have to dump a lot of exposition in this. Also, because like the Betty plotline is barely a plotline, so I feel like um, they had to pad it out to make it look equal to the other plotlines. Oh, oh, this was the other part of the supernatural episode. Oh, sure, yeah. Like this, not the part where you have Sam and Dean, but where like where you have one of the other hunters that they work with, and they have to infiltrate something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So Clifford Blossom's back. Remember that guy? No, I mean, uh, I, didn't... Well, I mean, I mean, technically not Clifford. It's Alfonso or oh, something. Oh, sure, right? Uh, yeah, it's Montague or whatever the fuck his name is. Gunther. <laughs> Claudius. That was Claudia, it. Yeah, <laughs> I got there eventually. <clears throat> we don't want to pay for wigs for this actor. Yeah, uh, Claudius is here with his maple truck delivering something, and then Hiram pulls up and gives, or, and a nun gives an envelope to him and. An extra helpfully explains that that's an angel donor called the Man in Black, uh, which, who gives the sisters whatever they need. Which we we know because of the previous thirty minutes, Man in Black Hiram, mm-hmm. right? Which you think would have been actually almost better if they saved this reveal that where they're getting the money from, yeah, was from like a mysterious person. That didn't say the Man in Black. Or, or they didn't show it, Hiram. Like, they just showed Hiram yeah. in, like, Shadow or something. It's fine. They have enough mysterious figures going on in this season that they don't need to... You know... They don't need another I one. I just feel like they should be better at doing a mystery thing. Like, yeah. you don't you don't give up who the mysterious, uh, vaguely named person is in the first 30 minutes of finding out it's about It's okay, because they still have to figure out who the Gargoyle King is, who uh, the the farm leader is. We've got lots of mysterious figures still, Jesse. We can we can burn this one. <laughs> it's just, I'm just saying, like, do better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she finds the, like, chapel, which she says, oh, this must be where the Gargoyle King is. And you know, the really fine. oddly placed chapel, di- completely different wall and building yeah. style at the end of this one hallway. Yeah. Like, it almost... Lo- like a girl... Uh, oh, it ahead, almost sorry. looks like someone, like, installed a room from a different Sims, like, DLC <laughs> on their main house, be like, yeah, this is a spooky thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think traditionally, when you have, like, buildings that have a special, special like, chapel built into it, the doors usually are, like, a little ornate or different. Uh, to denote this is the chapel. Because those are, like, bespoke rooms that they build when they build a chapel into a building. Um, This one's, like, extremely ornate, I feel like. Usually I think they're just, like, wooden double doors as opposed to, like, your standard whatever doors. Yeah. Uh, But it's fine. Uh, She's looking for her medical records, and so she... Uh, Ethel explained at some point that only the infirm can go to the infirmary where the medical records are. So she steals a paperclip because that's all she needs to break in. And now she just needs to act sick somehow. So uh, she's about to sneak out when Ethel, who is GMing a game of G&G, asks her to come play with her. Um, and so Betty says in her head, well... Yeah. And she conveniently has a... Uh, she starts seizing up after Ethel says something about the Gargoyle King. Yeah, I I guess the idea is that, like, she's she's like, oh, well... I'm in a heightened state of emotion, and that could potentially have triggered a seizure, so this will seem realistic. Um, but yeah, this, she just gets into a little tiff with uh, Ethel and then pretends to have a seizure. Oh, and Ethel is taller than I thought she was. I thought she was yeah. shorter. She's like a good like two or three inches taller than, um, than Betty. Yeah. Yeah, like, Betty's part of this episode is literally she reads her medical file, and then fails to escape. It's like two things, and they needed to pat it out to be like a third of the episode. Well, see... Which is why these scenes move so slowly. Well, well, if it was uh, if it was part of a Supernatural episode, they would realize that there's a ghost in this... Uh, mm-hmm. This... This place. And, um, <clears throat> and Sam and Dean are trying to get to it through that spooky town, but like in order to get through that spooky town, they have to get rid of the main in black... Uh, for a little bit because they're gonna like kill a bunch of people or use all these people for like sacrifices for like a blood ritual or something. Sure. Yeah. 
It's a, it's a bad Supernatural episode, I'm just telling you. The only thing that's not part of that Supernatural episode is the Veronica part. Uh, so she gets to her medical files and um, sees that she's being administered Bulio Lapis. Um, and that the notes say to increase per HL's uh, request. Um, and she says, oh my god, that must mean he's using the Sisters of Quiet Mercy to test out his fizzle rocks. Uh, that seems like quite a leap without concrete proof, but she's like, this is this is definitely close enough to evidence. I can take this and then escape now. Like, that could also just be actual medicine they're giving you for your seizures. Yeah. It isn't, but, like, it could be. You don't know. <laughs> oh, cool, my Netflix froze. But uh, she goes down to the uh, basement or sewers or whatever, uh, planning to escape using the same tunnel that Cheryl used to escape. Uh, that's why she's felt so confident this whole time. But she opens the door, and it's been bricked over. Uh, and then Ethel shows up with Sister Woodhouse or whatever, and two, like, male orderlies that are very strong and are going to restrain her. And then, oh, excuse me, uh, they force her to take Fizzle Rocks and lock her in the uh, Gargoyle King room, I believe, is uh, what's going to happen here. Yeah, and the stinger is, you know, kind of what I thought it would be. Uh. Oh, yeah. No, they, they, first off, they drug her. Right. And she gets taken into the gargoyle room, and she sees something, and she's just like, right. yeah, gargoyle daddy, woo, yeah, what's up, you're cool. We we don't get to see what she sees, but yeah. certainly it's implied. Yeah. Also, Ethel here says, like, a brief prayer to the gargoyle king, uh, which is going to be relevant in approximately 30 seconds. Hey, remember how we were discussing how Fizzerox, uh, the symptoms they gave, it seems to be some sort of, like, variant on an MDMA? Yeah. <laughs> and now it's, like, a super hardcore hallucinogen or something? Yeah, see, like, it was very much, it seemed very much like an MDMA-type, uh, drug. Um. Yeah. When they were doing it in the past, like, they seemed to be, like, well, yeah, hallucinogen, but also it seems to be a downer. Right, yeah. So maybe they just don't uh, know what drugs are like. True. I mean, I guess this could be a new formula, uh, just still labeled Fizzle Rocks. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It seems very different. But, yeah, uh, we end with, uh, we're back in the testing room. We started in with Betty, and she's doing the Rorschachs again. But this time, she seems super out of it, and she's answering truthfully what she really sees. These um, And then the last... Okay. Yeah, like, all of these Warshack chests, which are clearly just paintings of exactly right, what they yeah. want them to see. Um, but then, of, of course, the last one is the Gargoyle King, and so uh, she says she see, she sees the Gargoyle King, and then we flip back to Woodhouse, and the Gargoyle King is, of course, actually behind her. Um, ooh, so spooky. And then in her head, she says the prayer that Ethel did to the Gargoyle King, because I guess that's what drugs do to you. They make you pray to the devil. Yeah. They're... And uh, that was the episode. It There's, they, real brave of them try to do, like, five plot lines. It's, right. you know, it's very, very ambitious. You know. Yeah, I, I kind of wish they had cut the Betty ones and, and just saved that for next episode, maybe, because we really didn't need that on top of the other two. Also, I'm here's what I'm going to say. I think it would have been better if uh, maybe they just learned pacing like at all uh, i mean we can't ask for too much yeah now. <laughs> yeah you know they found a formula that's that's blundering through something in a way that's either too fast or yeah. too slow it's uh taking a full pot of spaghetti and hurling at the wall because certainly some of it's gonna stick and you know what it does uh and i it does it's true <laughs> i can't lie some of it does stick that is a fact but like you think they would learn a little bit like because like the whole man in black thing could have been like a black hood thing, right. you know, like where they actually managed to kind of tease it out for a little bit, even though they did it on accident. Seemed like, um, I, I, I don't hate it as much as you do that they just immediately gave that one up because one, it was it's a mysterious rich guy, and there's like only one rich guy in Riverdale. Okay, but guess what? They could have been the Gargoyle King. They could have like done like a parallel thing where the Gargoyle King is like this mysterious rich man, and the whole time we're getting the Red Heron of Hiram every single time, and then like. I mean, do you think that Hiram's not the Gargoyle King at this point? I don't know. 
It could or could not be. I don't know. Because guess what? See, there you go. I, so I guess it's working, uh, Jesse. <laughs> but but like they could have done like uh, like multiple red herrings, like based mm-hmm. off of just us not knowing who the man in black was. They could have just shown mm-hmm. him in shadow or talking on the phone or something like that. Um that's my own that's my only real complaint right now. I I f- <clears throat> feel like we would have put it together fairly easily still that it's probably Hiram and then to have that teased out like six episodes and then for it to actually be Hiram I feel like would have been like well that was a waste of time. Okay. So <clears throat> but here's the thing, you don't make it Hiram. Okay. Well, now we're cooking with yeah. gas. No, see see it's a red herring. Like the entire time we're just like, yeah, it's Hiram. It's Hiram. But it turns, but then, like, but it turns out Hiram's working for the maiden or the or Hiram's working for the gargoyle king. Or something like that. And we don't know that it's Hiram yeah. yet. But okay, <coughs> but so are we saying the man in black and the gargoyle king are synonymous at this no, point? No, 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 they're two separate people. Okay. So <coughs> then who would the man in black be in your vision here where it's not Hiram? I would make it just not one of the main cast members, but someone who we see, like, throughout... Hell, it could be Pops. I don't give a shit. Like, Pops was around. That would be actually, fun. Pops, Pops was, was around at the time. Yeah, <laughs> actually, that would be pretty but, good. But no, like... Pop... <laughs> no, but you could do you could do a lot of little different things. Like, maybe maybe it's fucking uh, Cult Girl, or the leader of the cult that we know of mm-hmm. already. Like... But then, Jesse, we wouldn't have. Then we wouldn't get two different cults in the same season of Riverdale. But I, but I feel like it is. I feel like it should just be one cult. It's just what is a di- like offshoot. If, if you were like a normal, competent writer who was writing a season of a television show, it would be just the one cult. But yeah, uh, this is Riverdale, baby. Yeah, no, like you would have one cult, and then one is like the public-facing one, where they're trying right. to get more members, and then the other is the actual like inner circle. Right. Because like that's what real cults do. Real cults that are still yeah. around today do. Um, yeah. Like it's just like they just needed to tweak the story like like three sentences and you got it. You got it. <laughs> You're so close to see if they are completely off. Like I'd be whatever. You know, it's Riverdale, but they're so close mm. to having a decent, <laughs> compelling story. They're so close. All you do is they like to tease the tease. The man in black is Hiram. But he's working for the Gargoyle King, or something like that. They're uh, they're edging you with good narrative, Jesse. <laughs> that, that's what they're doing. They're edging me with good narrative. Like they're getting close. Like again, if it was like yeah, they're so close. Oh my god, they're so if, close, Jesse. If it, <laughs> oh my god. Oh, they're so close. Uh, they're almost there, Jesse. <laughs> no, but we would have. But like, I feel like first off, it's been seven episodes. We're not even halfway through. Yes. Yes. You know, spread out the story a little bit, you know? Yeah. Spread out the story a little bit. Spread out the, the whole being in prison thing a little bit longer. Right. I, again, like, a normal television show, Archie in prison would have been a full season, then Archie like, gets out and goes on the like, run, and that's a second It doesn't season. even need to be on a whole full season. It could be a half a season. And then, then, then mm-hmm. we, but then, like, the Gargoyle, Gargoyle King stuff, or Gargoyle King, you know, uh, they, <laughs> yeah. they uh, you know, they just, like, I don't know, like, they build it up a little bit more, like, we get more of the lore, maybe we get flashbacks to the 80s, like, maybe, like, we, mm-hmm. like, maybe we get, like, a long, like, parallel storytelling arc where, like, you flash back between the present and the 80s, where, like, the people, like, the Yeah, people- that would be a thing a television show yeah. would do if it were, like, a real television yeah, show, you're it's right. so close, they have all the elements. They, they wouldn't, they wouldn't recap the whole 80s thing in a single flashback episode, they would have split it they up across the season. They would have split up because they would have been like, whoa, what's going on here? But like, oh, it's in the eighties, you know, you know. Which is weird because isn't Riverdale also a Berlanti project? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because like that's what he did on Arrow for like five seasons was split up flashbacks between episodes. Yeah, like okay, but but okay, but yeah. So all I'm saying is they have all the elements. They have every single element to make this good. They just need to not shoot their load off immediately. And I know, I know that's impossible for them to do unless they're dealing with chick because, you know, maybe Riverdale is like Berlanti's like stress reliever episode. It's like everything else. I have to be like on point and work hard. And, you know, it's like, uh, having, having sex and, you know, you want, you want to like not, you know, do the two pump and dump. You want to do the foreplay and, like, make them think, oh, that person's so good at sex. But then he gets to Riverdale and he's like, okay, I can just cut loose here. Thrust, thrust, done. 
perfect. I feel so relaxed. Yeah, like, that, it has to be. Because, like, okay, here... Because, like, okay, if we were to... Like, if I was to rewrite just the last seven episodes that we've done... Mm-hmm. And, and I'm barely changing any. I'm keeping most of the plot points, actually. Mm-hmm. I'm just adding more lore to the Gold mm-hmm. Girl King stuff. Maybe we learn what the game is actually about. Like, we actually get... Like, maybe we get to show them actually playing the game instead of being, like, the DM being the shittiest DM ever. Um, right. Yeah, for real. Like, it was like... It was like fucking Travis. Taz. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, so we have... So we have... Um, what word I'm trying to say? So, like, first off, like, the whole him go being in prison thing would last at least six episodes. Mm-hmm. We would see him we would see him break down, basically. I'd want mm-hmm. him to be barely competent by the end of it. Basically. Mm-hmm. Like we get more of Mad Dog. Um the the season of him escaping is actually like the season mid season thing mm-hmm. that they've been teasing the entire time. Um mm-hmm. we get a lot more Gargoyle King stuff. Like mm-hmm. and the we would and from episode one, we would have the flashbacks to what was happening in the eighties. And we would add a lot more to it as well. Like, maybe more stuff is just weird. More weird stuff was happening the entire time. I don't know. It's just like, I feel like they're just so close. They're so close to having something good. <laughs> so close, Jesse. On, on, just on the brink. <clears throat> I know. Some might say on the edge. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, da- daddy's telling me not to make a oopsie whoopsie. <laughs> Uh, oh god so all right. i just gotta keep all right. saying uh, you know? jesse do you have something to recommend um i need to leave yeah um yeah i have i was i started watching um p- the anime pacific grim the black mm. it's actually pretty mm-hmm. good i feel like if we're gonna do more specific grim stuff we should probably just do an animated thing uh yeah. to make it cheaper uh, really, yeah. because it's a really fun. Because uh, you're following these uh, two pe- uh, people who's uh, siblings. Siblings, yeah. We're following two siblings who are still teens, but like they're legally mm-hmm. distinct, old enough, so you don't feel bad for them when they leave on their own. But they find <laughs> right. this. Uh, they find this training Jaeger that doesn't mm-hmm. have any weapons on it. Um, <clears throat> after being left in this like site that was kaiju free for like five years. Um, but yeah. after they find the uh, training Jaeger, it attracts a, Ye- it attracts a uh, Kaiju and it kills almost everyone. And they're just mm-hmm. trying to get to Sydney because it's set in Australia. Yeah. And the black is basically ha- the, the half of Australia where they put another wall in. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's good. It's just, good the storytelling is like pretty interesting they follow up on a lot of uh ideas that the movies kind of talked about um i feel like if they're gonna do more i wouldn't be i i want more from this pacific rim universe because first off it has two things i like giant robots (coughs) it's like giant robots and giant monsters and they happen to be punching each other it's very it's a very easy combination of things to make it look good, and I think the movies do a pretty good job with just adding like a lot of ridiculous lore. And you know, I'd be fine if they just did a bunch of animated series stuff because it is a well thought out world. It's just you know you're not going to get into all the nuances and stuff on a movie because you have a mm-hmm. movie with giant robots and monsters. <laughs> they better be punching as much as possible. Yeah, but with a that's very true. but with a animated series, they can do a deeper dive into all that stuff, and it would make sense. The, I watched a bit of it, uh, and it was okay for me. Um, the 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 one thing I'll say about it that uh, I read on Twitter and I did agree with was that, uh, what kind of made Pacific Rim the movie uh distinct in its genre is that it was a live action piece. Um, so you got to see a giant mecha in live action or you know CG live action by a giant kaiju. Uh, and when you bring it back into the world of animation, you're competing with every other mecha anime in existence that have all done very innovative things to the mecha genre. And it, so it feels a little lackluster for me when they do the big Jaeger fights, uh, because it's just a very slow moving machine that doesn't feel as impressive when it's not in real life, you know? So, so I can, I understand that in a mm-hmm. lot of, in, 
<clears throat> I understand that for a lot of it. I understand. But mm-hmm. what I am but the thing that I was more interested in cuz yeah, if it was just if it was just a poorly done like mech, if it was just like a middling mecha anime, yeah. I wouldn't have cared. But the thing is, mm-hmm. they're not in their Jaeger most of the time in this show. They're just exploring yeah. the world and talking about it and showing things that's happened in the world. That's what I care yeah, more about. But like, but then they got like I I stopped when I got I got hmm, I shouldn't say because that's a spoiler. But uh, <clears throat> there was the big one that uh, right after they find the little boy that I was like that's to be fair to I be <laughs> but but they also like hinted at that at the second movie. Oh, I didn't watch the second movie. I heard it was very bad. So. Okay, you know what? I'll fucking fight everyone who said it was bad, which apparently was most of the world. I loved it. Like, yeah. like I like I am just a big fan of mecha, like just mm-hmm. overwrought mecha stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, like also, I was not a fan of the kaiju dogs. I understand why they exist because if you're not going to be in the mecha for most of the thing but, you need things that they can deal but, with on a human level but, but like but, but you did did you watch the last episode though because you did, no i absolutely no, did not no it makes sense at the end it makes sense at okay. the end because it's be, because they reveal something what what why a certain group was collecting a certain thing mm. i i guess to that point, does the second movie slash the show retcon the reason the kaiju are coming into the world? Yes, pretty okay. much because because what they thought fun, was happening in the first uh, uh, first mm-hmm. movie was um, remember Charlie Day in the, from yes. the first one, the kaiju person. Yes, I do. I recall. Yes, they, they turned into the bad guy in the second movie. Oh. Because okay. when they drifted with a kaiju mind, mm-hmm. they 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 realized what was happening. Uh, also, okay. there's things called biomechs because they were using like kaiju pa- uh, kaiju parts to make the the Jaeger the Jaeger drones. So they're just see that's yeah the, that's the shit I was no, like no I love it because I love shitty mecha anime. Uh, like right. I love you know what. We- Listen, I just like the clarity of vision of the first movie where it was a climate change allegory that also involved giant monsters and giant robots, and I felt like the show okay. drifted a lot from that. Hey, it was inspired by mecha anime. How is it ever going to be a clear, concise thing through the entire thing? How, ev- how was it Fair going enough. to be? It was literally like... One of, the, one of the inspirations was literally Evangelion. <laughs> like... Like, they're drunk. Fair enough. Like, not to spoil the end of Evangelion, the robots are made out of the dead mothers of all the kids. Like, like, <laughs> like, you know, like, it's not going to be straightforward. And, you know, it still has, I don't know. It just feels like shitty mecha animate. I love it. So. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. That being said, uh, I think the animation is pretty good. They do a lot of exploration into some of the concepts that they didn't follow into the first and second movie. And uh, also, you know, I'm a big fan of found family stuff, and they're doing some found family stuff. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, As for myself, and I'll make this brief because I need to get on out of here soon. Uh, I got two real quick. First is a video game. Uh, It's called Monster Train. I bought it on the Steam Summer Sale. Uh, It is one of those deck builder card battler games like Slay the Spire. Uh, I think it's really, 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 really well made. I think it might be the best one of the genre currently. Uh, First of all, there's like eight factions you can unlock, whereas, you know, Slay Slay the Spire, for example, has four characters in it you can play. Griftlands has three. It's typically in these games, you have a fairly small pool of playable variants that you can run through. Uh, Monster Factory has a fucking ton, and they all have two different heroes you can choose from that you can unlock. So there's a lot of variety in the gameplay that uh, feels good to me. Uh, I I don't mind doing runs over and over again because of that, which is really cool. Um, and then the second thing is that the way the stages are set up is is different from other card battlers I've done. It's no longer just a single stage where you've got your character and then you've got the enemies and then you battle. It's on a train with three levels. So each round, uh, they come in at the bottom level, they all do an attack on you, you all do an attack on them, and then they move up to the second level. And you have to have defenses set up there as well. Uh, so it's almost like a tower defense 
combined with a card battler, uh, I think it's very fun. Mm. And then the other thing I have is a TV show uh, called Full Bloom. It's on HBO Max. It is a uh, floral arrangement reality competition show. I believe Netflix did one as well. But from what I'm seeing from the HBO one, it's much more polished and much prettier. The Netflix one felt a little crunchy. This one feels very, very uh, high-end production. And I've been having fun so far. I've seen the first two episodes. I'm gonna... Like... Okay, I was about to say... so. Okay, so... So we talk about reality show TV shows a lot. Like, small yeah. small ones <laughs> that probably cost them like 10 bucks to make. Um, right. Who would have thought that's what it would have came out of, like, the real world? Or, like, the late night days... Yeah, because like, because like, I don't hate these as much. Like, and as much as there was definitely a a shift sometime post uh, the early two thousands, dirty jobs, where reality, what? dirty jobs sorry, is the reason why. It's dirty jobs. Sorry, one more dirty time. jobs is the reason why. Dirty. Oh, dirty jobs. Okay, that, huh. no, that's the exact reason why. Because even though Mike Rowe is a piece of shit, um, right. People realize, like, real quickly, like, looking at the success of the show, is people mm-hmm. like seeing people do things, even if it's weird or something completely different. Mm-hmm. And that's how we got, like, you know, from that we got, like, Dirt Deadliest Catch and um, right. uh, Ice Road Truckers. That was not actually the, the direction I was going and I actually don't watch a lot nope. of those types of reality TV shows. But, um, you know, in, in the early 2000s, <clears throat> reality television had uh, a certain reputation, right, of being, like really kind of nasty it, it was about people like fighting each other you know like um the real i mean the real world and um all the mtv ones were like lots of drama right lots of infighting lots of yelling and cursing uh but somewhere down the line there, there's been a definite shift where there's like a a real uh a real more focus on like people getting along it's gotten a lot nicer, no, and I enjoy that. No, like, yeah, I think uh, the only reason I didn't like one person from... Sorry, the the two... Sorry, the two people I didn't like from Blown Away is because they were, like, weirdly antagonistic. Right, yeah. And, like, everyone else is like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you're doing great. And, like, and then you just yeah. have, like, like, this one, like, really antagonistic person for no reason... Oh, speaking of really sweet, uh, making it season three is out or coming out now. Episode one came out last week. Mm. Um, fucking so sugary. I'm getting diabetes. It's so sweet. No, it's adorable. No, but my but my opinion, my opinion though is I think uh, Discovery started doing mm-hmm. a lot of reality shows based off of people just doing their jobs. That makes sense. And yeah. that got popular, and it's a reason why I think. Um, we're getting a lot of these smaller, but like more, I would say more intimate almost, uh, mm-hmm. reality shows. And it, it kind of, it feels like it's also actively helping out a lot of the t- contestants as well. Cause I follow a yeah. uh, cat from season two of, uh, mm-hmm. blowing, uh, blown, blow it, blew it, blown, o- blown, blown, blown away, away. blown Is away. That... Sorry. Blown away. Yeah. Okay. Um, and like she's getting a lot of like extra business because of it, and like she's a- more yeah. able to do her job and be comfortable. Uh, oh yeah, and and reality competitions, it's winning's nice, but if you can make it past the first, you know, like four episodes, yeah. you're gonna get a ton of exposure, and that's almost as valuable as the prize. Yeah, it, uh, probably possibly even more valuable because a lot of these prizes have a lot of clauses attached to how that money comes to you. Yeah, well, like like the whole the whole thing about um blown away is that they get a residency at the Corning Glass Museum. Right. Um yeah. well, she didn't win, but she just got one because she was oh, yeah, popular enough and people yeah. liked her. So, she got an even yeah. longer residency. <laughs> like right. she would have pretty much. Uh, yeah. She and it's it's nice. It's nice seeing these uh, people and like also, you know, business businesses get a boom from it. Like I I have a place uh I live like not too far away from a place that was featured on dinner uh diners dive-ins mm-hmm. and dives like like down mm-hmm. the street from me and like mm-hmm. it went from a business that was like kind of going okay to like being like a yeah. top 10 restaurant in like Kentucky for like nice. last like 5 years I want to say so the uh the last thing I'll say uh very quickly and then I think we got to get out of here is that um I think there's also been a more focus on like the human element of these shows cuz I watched an older season of Survivor from you know like 2005 or whatever uh, with my girlfriend, and, like, it was weird in the sense that, like, I didn't really know any of the players, 
everything was so focused around there's a plane flying over my house that sucks uh, i was so focused around like the game elements and like them talking strategies and like very little was dedicated to like the downtime where they're talking to each other and like making relationships and i feel like that's a lot more prominent in in more modern reality competition is uh talking about their lives and connecting with the other contestants which i like yeah uh okay let's let's get out of here we're we're running long I'm now your go. and i got i got stuff to do it's your um it's my go so uh hey if you have an elaborate uh plan to cheat someone out of their money and it revolves around you playing one game of blackjack you don't have to create a really obvious signal where you touch your earring uh, to signal it's time. They they should just know. Yeah, they went. They should just. They know. went with the most obvious signal too. Like it's always the ear or the nose. Like just yeah. make it something different. Whatever. It, it could just be when you sit down. You're only playing the one hand. You it, you don't have to make it. Anyway, goodbye. Stop. I dropped out in the fourth grade to run drugs to support my nana. That means you haven't known the triumphs and defeats, the epic highs and lows of high school football. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Get my pretty name out of your mouth. We are not the same with or without.